show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you in the game and after a rather weird Sunday in the NFL where the rule book or should have really been ripped to shreds we'll talk about the playoff picture Steelers Pats the Jags back in the playoff for the first time in the decade the Seahawks collapse a changing of the guard of the NFC loads for us to tuck into this is the Gridiron Show Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter and Gridiron editor Matthew Sherry on the line today. Uh, I was going to say evening boys, but the problem with the time concept of a podcast is that somebody could be listening to it in the morning and now I've confused myself. So I'll just say hello. Hello. Hey, hey. What? All right. <laughs> oh, come on. That is disgusting. Oh, you're unbelievable. I'm going to put it out there. Well, I have put it out there. A, a poll. Whose intros do you like more, Will Gavin's or Ollie Hunter's? I like Ollie Hunter's more, so it's well, fine. you know... Ah, uh, yeah, you see, you wanted me to bite on that, and I'm like, I much prefer it when you do the intros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can do it every single time. I don't want to do it every single time. You should be doing it. No, you go ahead, mate. No, 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 no. this yours, is the buddy. Gridiron Show with Will Gavin. We all know that. Oh. <laughs> 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 the Gridiron Show and Association Will Gavin, with sure. Will Gavin. You did a great show on Friday. I definitely listened. You definitely didn't listen. I listened to the first two minutes and the last two minutes to make sure it was topped and tailed. So, wh- you could have done anything in that middle of 50 minutes and I'd never have known. But we <laughs> didn't have any complaints on Twitter, so it's fine. Matthew Sherry, how many times did we think Will Gavin had watched Star Wars in a space of 24 hours? Was it four? <sighs> yeah, I think four is what we ultimately landed I think on. It was four, yeah. I've seen it twice. Uh, my wife is going to see it again with a school friend tomorrow, and I'm contemplating whether or not to go with them. Or, you know, spend my time doing other things. I might go with them. I haven't decided yet. I mean, I know you try and jump at the chance for any time that you don't have to spend with your wife, so... It's less that. It's more the school friend that she's going to watch it with, who uh, is a lovely person, but I've been to the cinema with her once before, and she is... She is not code compliant for anyone who listens to that BBC one. Um, she is Why very. Why are you not mentioning that BBC she's one? Very... It's not like we're competitors <laughs> with the, with those guys. I don't know. We talk a lot about movies, guys. Um, yeah, if you're a fan of Kermit May, you know what I'm talking about. She's she's not like she's not like somebody who's like taking her shoes off and eating smelly food and stuff like that, but. There's nothing wrong with emotionally reacting to a film, i.e. laughing, crying, you know, jumping at a scary bit, whatever it is. The elicited reaction you're meant to get that you naturally particularly get with an audience. But it's when she, like, turns around in the middle of a film and goes, Oh, my God, what the F? Like, and actually speaks out loud her feelings about it, and it's too much for me. I quite like the sound of this. It's too much. She would, yeah, you'd get on with her really well. okay. Um... It was very difficult for me to decide who to sit next to between you, my wife and Adam when we went to see it on the first night because I just wanted to sit there and enjoy it with no interruptions, no slaps on my legs, no turning around and looking at me in wide-eyed awe and yet I got all of that from you, Ollie, and more. Ollie! No, I can't help it! That is is very much in my wheelhouse in general life but uh, I just don't do it at the cinema. It's not acceptable. Yeah, but the thing is, you loved it. 
You did love it. A couple of times I could hear you chuckle to yourself, Will, and... I often, I do often find myself laughing at the jokes that a lot of other people aren't necessarily laughing at. Yeah. Like having a, a heartier laugh at some of the jokes. The second time I saw it, I saw it with a much smaller audience, because it was at like 10 in the morning. And so the laughs were less from the auditorium as a whole, and yet I still laughed pretty loud every time. Well, it's because you're a loud laugh. What was your favourite one, Will? My favourite showing. Uh, <laughs> no, your, fa- your favourite of the jokes. Uh, yeah, n- none of it's. I, there's going to be no discussion of any content Fine. whatsoever. I've got to prepare myself because we're doing a film review on the Talksport show tonight, in which we will definitely talk about Star Wars, and I've got to figure out a way to talk about it without mentioning any spoilers. So uh, I, I've got to practice for that, and I'm going to start doing that right now. I did, however, have a Christmas party on Saturday. Uh, where my friend Adam and you've probably seen on social media etc sorry what that the uh, you had a Christmas party yeah I did Ollie and you weren't invited uh, because it wasn't my Christmas party and not my place to invite you Um, but and this is this is so low class. <laughs> You're doing this to Ollie on seemingly a weekly basis. <laughs> Look, I have a group of friends that Ollie is an acquaintance with, but not necessarily close with. The close group of friends we all went to university together had a little get together at somebody's flat can on it, Saturday. Can I, can I why would invi- well? why would Ollie be invited to that? No, this is this is a weird thing that you've got going on, like. What, I heard, so, what, I heard about a the social a social life outside of the podcast. I, I I heard about the burrito chat as well the the other week, and and I had to agree with Ollie on on all aspects of it. What would be the problem with Ollie coming and eating a burrito with you and a friend? Yeah. It wasn't coming yeah. and eating a burrito with me and a oh, friend. Well, thank it was you, me mate. going out for a sit down lunch at a nice Mexican restaurant with somebody I hadn't seen in like two and, what, and a half years. And what what's what's the problem with Ollie being there? Yeah. Because I'm catching up with an old friend, I'd like to do it just on a one-on-one basis. Yeah, that's really weird, Will. Uh, and not, you know, not the, all. do you know the best thing about all of this? Matthew Sherry does listen to the podcast when he's not on it. Yeah, well, I don't, so well, I'm sorry. You know, well, th- there's just a litany. I have to of, listen. Uh, I have to listen to you two's thoughts on the NFL via phone calls, text messages, oh, oh. social media on such a regular basis that uh, I can handle not rehearing it in podcast form. It's uh, fine. You know, that's fine. I think we've got to the bottom of why I haven't been invited <laughs> to any of these Christmas meals. So it's great. Sherry, uh, uh, thank you for your invite. Next, I will next see time you he next wants week. his cats feeding Ollie when he's away on holiday. Uh, yeah. Why, why don't you? Why don't? Why doesn't you just get one of these other friends to go and do it for him? Scrub. One of them. One of them did look after my cats for a solid two weeks while we went away. Actually, so uh, it's not something I've ever asked Ollie to do. That's true because you know I, that your cats hate me. Yeah, so. there is that. There but, is that. The, but, the Sherry, point I was trying to make was back to the Star Wars point. Was that there was like you will have seen on social media, etc., that some people, some fans, have really rallied against it. And this one guy hated it. Like, literally, thought it was the worst Star Wars film we'd seen. And uh, I, I tried not to have an argument with him, and ended up having four separate arguments across the course of a twelve-hour night. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm quite passionate about it. It's fair to say. Yeah, but it was fine because you invited him to your, to the Christmas. Uh, lunch. Uh, it was his Christmas lunch, and I was invited. Well, to there it. we go, there we go. Once again, imagine Ollie if you were there, you could have backed him up because I'm, I'm assuming you also are a big. So right, I had Adam Parkson to back me up, so it was oh, fine. Oh, new bestie. Oh, okay. And my wife backed me up as no, well. No, 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 fine. Wife as well. What, yeah, do, you mean, no, no. what do you mean new bestie? Yeah, it's fine. What? What? <laughs> oh, yeah, Matt, thanks for the invite for Christmas Day. I will see you on Christmas Day. That's, uh, that's, worry, that's true, friend. You're working with me till 6am. How the hell are you going to get to Hartlepool? Drive. Car. <laughs> Enjoy that. What is it, five hours, Matt? Yeah. Sherry's going to meet me halfway. 
Yeah, we're, <laughs> you're, you're going to get together. Me and Ollie are spending Christmas at a <laughs> at a Nottingham-based service station, <laughs> where, where you are going to enjoy a KFC, whoa, whoa, whoa. and a bag of Haribo. It's Christmas. So, but, Cornish pasty. Somebody, somebody told me recently, and, I, and I've, I've just refused to believe it and not looked into it any further. That KFC is the traditional Christmas meal in Japan. Uh, I think it's China, isn't it? I thought it was, but maybe it's Japan. What? Yeah, there is definitely. So an, a, a, is that true? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. What? <laughs> Matt Sherry disgusted. It's a massive thing. Um, maybe it's Japan. I actually, in my head, thought it's it was Japan. China. It's there Japan. It says it here. Apologise. Um, for my I oriental based racism. Because I was so confident it was nonsense. No, it's 100% true. Well, Gavin, I'm going to say this now because I'll definitely forget on the preview pod that we'll do later on this week. What about us going to have those devils on... Chinese devils on horseback? Well, you, you keep changing the name of these. I don't, and know, I don't what know what they are. I'm sure we've talked about these on a podcast in the past, but Matt Sherry, one thing I will say for Ollie, away from his unnecessary uh, jealousy over me having other friends, uh, it, there's one thing he does amazingly, and that is Christmas snacks. Ollie has perfected the perfect Christmas snack, and it is uh, a water chestnut yep. cut in half. Yep placed into a sliced open date where you've taken the stone out replaced it with the water chestnut wrapped in streaky bacon smoked streaky bacon it's got to be smoked and then uh, then, all streaky bacon has to be smoked Ollie and then baked in the oven it's it's unbelievable absolute magic happen Matt please when we are having these delicacies on Saturday watching the Packers Vikings game you have to make them yourself as well and tell me what you think of them we, we, they are one of the best things you'll ever try Ollie can send you the recipe and we'll enjoy them together well, you've just told him hundreds it. of miles apart I mean, I mean so Ollie me, me and you are doing a Japanese Christmas in the Midlands is that, is that the plan <laughs> that's exactly what we're doing yeah. and, then, and, then, and, then, and then and then finding a, a hotel bar which is still open on a, a hotel bar that's still open on Christmas Day and going to watch the two Christmas Day games as well yeah I'm sure it'll be less roby than the uh from the Atlanta Motel that we stayed in, me and Clancelot, so I'm ready for it. Wonderful stuff. Should we talk about the mess that was the NFL this weekend? A glorious mess, but a mess nonetheless. Do you know what Christmas is in uh, Japanese? Probably <laughs> <laughs> not talking about it, Will. I want to hear this now, Ollie. It's Kuri Sumasu. Kuri Sumasu. What's, what's welcome break in the Midlands on the M1? <laughs> Uh, it is Midorandu oh my god whatever's going to happen now I'm really excited both and terrified about how offensive slash unoffensive Ollie might be here Midorandu di no di it's not it's not it's not German (laughs) I don't know how to say it's it says di 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 no (laughs) ueru kam uberiiku if any of the vast Japanese members of the Gridiron listenership would like to get in touch and, and send us a little audio memo of how we pronounce that correctly, <laughs> please do. 
Uh, let's talk about the football this weekend and let's start with the, the obvious place to start from this weekend's football. Of course, Jimmy G and his last... No, I'm not going to do that. The Pittsburgh no, Steelers and the... <laughs> no, OK, OK, no, no. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots uh, having somewhat of a classic on Sunday evening football. Certainly, Rob Gronkowski having a career day despite the fact he probably should have been banned for that game. And uh, the Steelers managing to find a number of ways to throw this one away in a game that they managed to keep much tighter than expected. Uh, But let's talk about the game overall and then we'll talk about those two last-minute decisions. Fair result? I can't believe I'm asking Matt this, but Matt Sherry, fair result? Uh, Not really, no. I thought Pittsburgh controlled the game, did everything that they needed to do. Um, And and for all the, the way they lost and for all the periods were really clutch at the end, they were handed the game on a silver platter after the touchdown because it's all those forgotten now the Smith Schuster play or the Schuster Smith which I always got that the wrong Smith way around Schuster, but it. it's it's always forgot it's almost forgotten just how bad the Patriots defended that and also on the Jesse James play that wasn't uh, that was a complete coverage bust by the Patriots as well so I thought there was is is there some reason to be concerned about the Patriots in the trenches because the offensive no, line had see, some real problems. I don't think that is the problem I agreed with Romo in that he's the only person I've heard say this and it's kind of what I believe on the run defence is they allowed the running game to go to a level because the thing that you can get off the field on third down the problem is that when you run into a game like last night where you don't it's a big problem but that's the way they play defence it's the way they've played defence this season their their run defence isn't as good as it's been in the past but this is the way they're trying to play around it and I think ultimately they can do that because I mean even last night Pittsburgh dominated a lot of that game but they were never out of sight it never got out of hand and really without the Brady interception it's a really close game all the way through because 8 points is still a close game but it's still 8 points you still need a 2 point conversion at 1 point so I don't think that's the issue I think the issue really was their pass rush on third down and that that's that's a major issue that they need to solve moving forward but yeah I thought I thought Pittsburgh deserved to win the game but they didn't win the game and, and the reality is that the Patriots keep winning games like that and at some point it isn't lucky I mean you mentioned Will the, on the tweet of how Michael Lombardi had said that the Patriots are coached not to extend over the goal line like that and the reality is that you see so many examples where the rules have been drummed into these guys that they know it's at the end of the game and that's why they don't get into these situations and other teams too do and that isn't lucky that is a culture that's been developed over years but um, it, all in all I would say Pittsburgh probably deserves to win the game there's two incidents you referred to there which need to be kind of covered one is the end of that Oakland uh, Raiders Dallas Cowboys game a weird game overall a game where the Cowboys played uh, it, it, like seriously got their nuts out on the table and showed them for all to see going for it the fake punt on a fourth and 11th in their own uh, in their own territory going for it on fourth and one from their own what was it 39 yard line they had so many occasions on Sunday night where they really tried to force the game and even so their defence letting up a couple of drives to the Raiders in the second half. The one to open the second half where the Raiders were really strong went on that kind of seven-minute, uh, nine-play... No, it's 11-odd-play, 90-yard drive, and the one right at the end as well. But the... Uh, 
the game doesn't need much discussing beyond that because neither of these teams are going to the playoffs. I mean, the, the Cowboys still have a chance of getting in, but actually I think the Lions, the Falcons, and at least one of the other teams in the wildcard mix already have the um, already have the tiebreaker over the Cowboys. So they'd have to rely on a lot of teams losing both games and them winning both games for them to get in. But... We had the extending the goal, the ball over the line for the touchback issue, which we've discussed three times this year already. We had it on the um, uh, on the play in the Rams Seahawks game earlier in the year, which the Rams could have and probably should have won that game. And it was it's amazing to see what their development's been over the last ten weeks. We'll get to that as well. We saw it with Austin Safari and Jenkins for the Jets as well in a game that was much tighter than many expected and could have had a real impact on that game. And then we've had it with this one. That rule needs a serious looking at, and the catch rule just there were so many instances of it the Jesse James one is going to be the big one that we we spot from the weekend but we had the Carolina challenge in the Green Bay game for the catch we had uh, Michael Thomas had a couple of occasions where he had catches that were brought back on reviews the whole thing is so convoluted at the moment they have to find a way to simplify it and I think just to kind of expand on that sorry I think my problem is the rule uh, about things like control to the ground and everything like that and they got the Jesse James call right by the rule book the problem is is those things were designed for a time where we didn't have 8 HD cameras and we didn't have replay reviews and we didn't have these are rules which are not really designed for an era where some common sense can come in because a referee can watch the catch 17 times over before making a decision and actually I think they are too ticky-tacky and too to the level of the law and it almost gives people an out an excuse to go to kind of not give a game-winning changing play but but you you say that but i i honestly think this year is at least better than previous years because that whole survive the ground thing that they've added is clear as day and whether you like it or not i mean everybody would look at that and say well in the back of my mind i think it's a catch but at least this year they're calling them the same way every every time, seemingly, and that's not been the case in previous years. And I, I can understand why they're trying to add to the to the rule as well, because I personally don't want to see a game with four fumbles in because of bang bang plays and where they immediately rule it a completion when it isn't. And I just think it's a tricky one. I mean, you, you say there they should let them the referees use common sense, but isn't that then just letting them? use their opinion on the on the day and isn't that the issue that we don't want judgment calls you want a black and white call that is indisputable and and hard to argue against I mean I, I think it's a tough one and I don't think there's an easy solution I at least think this year they're calling them all the same way and I, I was originally critical last night but I've gone back and looked at a couple of others this season and I mean the rule's the rule that the, they're enforcing it I mean teams need to start doing what We've just said the Patriots are coach to do and not extend the ball in that situation. You've got, I know it's easier said than done, but you've got to play to what the rules are. And I think the rules are better than the way they're perfect. All no, right, uh, but right, I yeah. also Am don't I... think the alternative's perfect either. Uh, okay. Everyone's saying now, who cares if there's more fumbles? But you can guarantee if they move that, if they change it to just two, two feet down is possession 
then when there's a load of fumbles on bang bang players, people will be like, "Oh, that's ridiculous." Well, okay. Well, let's let's talk about exactly because that this is my problem is that they're taking out an element of the game which makes it more exciting, and it goes back to the Des Bryant catch, which I still maintain to this day the right decision was made by the letter of the law that day as well. But what you're doing, and, and I'd like to hear Ollie's opinion on this as well, is you are restricting plays which are making the game potentially more exciting by having to play like the Patriots and have to go right we're not going to extend the ball we're not going to try and reach for the end zone we're not going to try and yeah and it's the same with the touchback rule we're by by saying we're not going to have that in the game you're actually making people more cautious in the way that they're playing football and it gets less exciting why are we penalizing players for trying to score a touchdown that's really frustrating yeah I get that but the, them, them be the rules, and the Patriots have them be the rules. The Patriots, I'm not saying they're successful because they are the only ones that abide by this and have this have this mantra of not going in or, or not extending and what or whatever. But they know what the rules are, and that's 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 how they're playing the game by. And okay, Jesse James was looking for the glory. However, had they scored a touchdown, then they'd have still left 25, 28 seconds. 28 seconds and two timeouts. And two timeouts. <laughs> two timeouts. So, actually, regardless of the rule or not, the, the, the clever call would be to go down at the half-yard line and uh, complete the catch, because it was never a catch. No, but that's like the Ahmad Bradshaw thing, isn't it? Like, uh, what play... And, and actually, yeah. there was a play in the Seahawks game this weekend where... Um, uh, Russell Wilson, and I'm not. This is not me singling out the Seahawks, as people will imagine I am. But it's just the example that springs to mind. Uh, the Rams went for it on fourth and one, either twenty nothing up or thirteen nothing up in the first half uh, when they were in kickable field goal range. Decided to go for it. Michael Wilhoit picked the ball off. 12 or 13 yards down the field stepped out of bounds celebrated like he'd just made a game-changing play but actually by catching the ball instead of batting it yeah. to the ground Can't he'd cost his team that. 13 yards field position yeah. and that's but the thing is you don't that's not your thinking as a player you don't no. think to yourself oh I'm going to catch this there's the goal line but actually there's 28 seconds left on the clock and they've got two timeouts what's a much better idea for me to do here is to fall to the floor force the Patriots to either take one of those timeouts so they've got time left on the clock or take time until we run our play. However, you're going to end up doing it. Either way, making it more difficult. And, and for all of that to enter a player's head in the space of three seconds. I don't think you penalise him for trying to score a touchdown. He could have called that ball and still, still scored a touchdown. He didn't complete the catch. It's like saying, yeah. It's like me, me saying, well, you've thrown me the ball in the end zone, but I've dropped it, so I'm penalised for trying to score a touchdown. It's you complete the catch and it's a touchdown. Yeah, complete had the he, play and it's a touchdown. Had he been in the end zone and brought the you know brought two feet down but as he was going to the floor the ball spills out no one would be complaining he'd drop the yeah. ball you know the ball no. he didn't complete the catch but it's i mean it's more to do with that that one in the raiders game because that touchback rule and we've we've kind of suggested but it what, before what's, what what's the solution the to reverse the touchback, touchback rule? the reverse touchback if you fund if you fumble it out of bounds anywhere else on the field you get the ball back right yeah and, and the fact it's the fact that the possession changes hands that's what annoys me if you did it that alright Derek Carr made a stupid decision in that situation to reach for the end zone when he could have just run out of bounds he had plenty of time whatever else he made a bad decision but you are then giving the ball back to the opposition give it back to the Raiders with the loss of down but say at the 20 yard line so it's a reverse touchback that way at least there's still an opportunity for them to make the end zone 
the fact that it changes hands is ridiculous. I'm fine with the rule. I mean, the, the, the funniest part of the whole thing... But on what, the so, Ollie, no, no, hold on, Ollie. If you're fine with the rule, why shouldn't it change possession when it's fumbled out of bounds at the 50-yard line? Why should the Raiders get the ball because back if one of their players has spilled out of bounds? Why is it any different? Because it's special. It, it's it's the, literally not any it different. Is, it is. It's, it's the end zone. Therefore, it's completely, it's completely different No, to, but the problem, out stuff bounds, being treated it? differently in the end zone, it's like people be, stuff being treated differently in the penalty box in football is one of our biggest problems in sport if a foul is a foul it's a foul anywhere on the pitch whether it's in the penalty box or at the halfway line the rules should not change because you've gone to the yard that indicates you've gone 100 yards or 0 yards versus the one that's at the midway well, I, I personally am a fan of the fact that in, in, in the red zone because of that rule you have to have and because I think, I think that makes in itself a more exciting player also, because you have to, you have to be more careful with the ball. There, I quite like it. I mean, he likes I'm, it. He I, likes I it because his head coach is the king of situational football. And well, you're being, I, I, but they're I, all playing by the same rule book. Will I exactly, mean, and I think you're being a bit too. I don't know, romantic about it. I don't know. The not, no, what? You're the one who's saying it has to be special because it's in the red zone. And it already is. If you look at rugby, the ball is kicked out of the back of the the touchline. It's different. It's a different sport. It's literally yeah, a different football's sport. a different yeah, sport to NFL. So yeah, your point about the penalty yeah. box there. But what I'm saying is, as well. you, it, it's it may be a different sport, but it's very similar. Both teams have to get to this special place, the 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 end zone or the try line, and that whole area behind the try line. If the ball goes out there, it's depending on who who touches it last. There's different rules, and that's just the way it is. None that's of those none been. of those teams, the Jets, the Rams, or the Raiders, deserved to have that rule as a turnover for what happened in that game in they, any they way, did, shape, or form. He fumbled the ball. He, he deserves the ball. to have it. Fumbled the ball to... out of bounds, which when it happens anywhere else on the field. So, by your reckoning, I, it should be changed. The, the, it should be a change of possession every time. No, because they fumbled the ball. I don't care what it is. If no, 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 no. Sherry, I'm talking to Sherry. Sherry just said they fumbled the ball. He's saying that must be a turnover. So if you fumble the ball out of bounds, I'm, then I'm it, must be, it, must, it be must be a turnover. turnover. Well, but it, it's exactly the same as fumbling the ball and your player either jumps on it or the opposition does. It you might make your decision. It, it, you make your decision to reach because in two of those three situations and probably in the third as well, although we don't really know Derek Carr's thinking, they were reaching for the pylon, and the rule is if the ball touches the pylon, you get a touchdown. They wouldn't. I, have, I would, they wouldn't have necessarily made the same move if they were between the hash marks. So they're reaching for a pylon, knowing that if it's fumbled out of bounds, what we're then doing is making it more likely that they're going to go for that play, which makes it more likely a scoring play, which increases the excitement of football. And you're making sure that the rules go in line with the rules everywhere else on the field, which is Listen, how though, I'd like but, to see it officiated. But the flip side is, what what if a defensive player makes a great play to strip the ball out? It goes out, it goes out of the end zone, and they just can't recover it. Then they're not getting credited for a great play either. I mean, it's one of those rules. I can see your argument completely, and I'm just almost arguing for the sake of arguing. I I don't feel heavily passionately either way, but I certainly don't think it's the worst rule in NFL history and should be changed but if it is changed that wouldn't bother me either I think it's the most ludicrous I think of all the rules in the NFL right now the way that it's adjudicated the way that it's the fact that it's a change of possession is a total mess like that's that is that's for me even more so than the catch rule the most farcical rule in the NFL right now and the fact that we've seen it happen I think people would have been saying this for years if we'd had three occasions of it being a game-changing play in a single season 
years ago but we haven't it's happened this year and that's why it's on the docket and I, I think the competition committee need to be looking at it this off season and, I think and I'd be amazed if it wasn't at least on the docket even if it doesn't change it's got to be a conversation on the um, on the Patriots Steelers the final takeaway I have is how anybody who isn't a Steelers fan can root for Ben Roethlisberger is just beyond me well my so I, I, a farce of an individual the, the way I feel about everything that happened there I'm so kind of torn on it in, in many different ways I was I think what we've had is happened is we've been deprived of potentially Patriots Steelers in Pittsburgh again, which we've seen this weekend. What a great game that is! I don't think it's as good a game in Foxborough because I think the Steelers mentally will go there and just poop the bed. Uh, I think that we've also been stripped of the fact that we'll get at least like I know we'll get a Jags home game in the wild card round but the idea that they get a bye the rest week all of that other stuff which the Jags season this year looks like it deserves the fact that we miss out getting to see the Patriots go on the road which I think would be exciting to see them go on a road to a one or two seed because it would make for more competitive playoffs all of that as a neutral fan is really disappointing but for a veteran quarterback to I mean, they, he can tell us that there was an argument between him and Todd Haley and to Mike Tomlin and whoever else but, but of whether they should spike it, whether anything else. It's totally ridiculous the, as well. The, the, the communication with his team wasn't there. Only one of his players reacted to it knowing it was a fake spike. And you'll see the whole left side of his line, receivers and line, didn't move at all, which meant your defence didn't react on that side at all. Only one player reacted. They went for a slant route on a fake spike from the two-yard line, which is a terrible choice of play anyway, because what you're doing is taking... If the defence don't react at all you're still putting the play right in the middle of four defenders which potentially costs them everything about it was dreadful the moment he saw the way that play was developing he should have just thrown it over the receiver's head and out the back of the end zone lost the down taken the field goal that's what a veteran quarterback should be doing and and a veteran quarterback also shouldn't be trying to throw the coaches under the bus and I mean I, I don't love the Pittsburgh coach I think I've made that clear on this show but it was absolutely the right move not to spike the ball given that it would have made, uh, immediately meant that they had to kick the field goal obviously you have a player try and run a player to win the game they should be coaching that better obviously but it was the right call Roethlisberger was suggesting they could spike it have a throw and then oh, they'll just let us kick the field goal on fifth down which wasn't going to happen and more than that you just look at the whole season the, the off season of pretending that he was going to retire the fact that in every meaningful game I watch him play, he's limping around and shaking this part of his body and this part of his body, and he's injured this, and then the next thing he's running 15 yards downfield. Give me a break. And it also just says- so into himself. And and do I think it crossed his mind that he wanted to throw the winning pass? Absolutely, he is absolutely in love with himself at the detriment of everything else. Painful. And, and that doesn't even get into some of the off-field stuff that we're not going to bore people with and discuss, but not a good guy. And it says a lot when people aren't talking about him in the MVP conversation and they're talking about Antonio Brown, who had he remained in the game and not torn or partially torn his calf muscle, he's going to be out for the rest of the regular season, who knows how long, into the off-season, in, in, into the... Into, uh, um, sorry, into the, into the playoffs. And by the way, them losing that game means that they may end up having to play in the wild card round, 
perhaps without Antonio Brown, maybe with Antonio Brown not fully fit, all of that. It's, There's it's, no danger of that, though. Yeah, yeah. Then they'll definitely win the last two games. They've got the Texans and the Browns and the, the last Browns. two weeks. Okay, I think I think that the, the, it's fallen for them really nicely that they've got now four weeks until Antonio Brown has to play football again. And I think, actually, for the neutral fan... No, no matter how you feel about Ben or Mike Tomlin, we all love watching Antonio Brown ball. Oh, out, right? oh, what a guy. And I was so. absolutely gutted when he was got carried off. So, so, fear so in, was I. Fear in the worst. So was I. And do you know what, Matt? That's, uh, that's tremendous from you. Commendable, because... All right, guys. You know, being a, being a Patriots fan, but moreover a football fan. And you don't want to see players out. The no, great absolutely. Players and out. you want to you beat... You want to beat their best. Their best. Also... I hope that well I hope I don't hope but what the Steelers should do is look at their game plan that they had to use because Brown was out um, which was controlling the ball winning on third down that is absolutely the way for the Steelers to beat the periods and I would I would hope that they see that and even with Brown back adopt the same game plan because I'm not sure yeah. what they would have on offence I think they'd have backed themselves a little bit more to to chuck the ball downfield and take a few more risks actually the way they played it was perfect and I would hope and think that the coaching staff should look at that and think well we can do that exact game plan but it'll be a lot better with Antonio Brown I think Martavis Bryant and we saw Juju Smith-Schuster it had obviously that massive play which was a lot to do with blown coverage as well but um, between them and Le'Veon Bell there's enough playmakers still there without Antonio Brown to win those last two games and uh, yeah, I, I'm confident that the Steelers... We, we're now looking at Pat Steelers. Jags will seal up the third seed if they beat the 49ers this coming weekend. Uh, it's uh, it's starting to really shape up on the AFC side. And we should talk about those Jacksonville Jaguars. They're back in the playoffs for the first time in a decade after a 42-7 to win over the Houston Texans. And for the third straight game, Blake Bortles played really well. And... I, I can say after the Colts game, as I did on this show, yeah, but he was against the Colts. And we said after the Seahawks, he made some incredible throws, but let's not forget how many injuries they've got. And we can say that about the Texans as well. But when you're putting three games back to back to back that have been as impressive as these three have, he leads the NFL in yards per attempt. He leads the NFL in touchdown to interception ratio. He leads the NFL in passer and QBR ratings across those three games. And what really impressed me about this game is that and we obviously we had it on in the office so I saw a, a bulk of it with guys like Jaden Mickens who was sleeping in his car three months ago like with guys like Keenan Cole these guys who have come off the practice squad he was throwing passes that we've never seen Blake Bortles throw. The confidence was so much higher. This wasn't the usual story of Bortles numbers look good but it all came in garbage time. This was a truly truly good performance and it made me just believe enough that with the defense they've got which we've talked about time and time again that there is some encouraging signs they can win playoff games with this team I mean uh, one I would give I would give the coaching staff a huge amount of credit because that Arizona game they blew that game by not trusting balls at all and the, the Badly bungled the end of the game situation, largely because they didn't want them to throw the ball. And I don't think it's a coincidence that since that they've done the opposite and they've really opened it up for him and and kind of given him a chance to shine. I think he's feasted on on some fortuitous situations in that. I mean, the Texans' defense has been as bad as any in the NFL this year as well. But if I'm looking at it from a Jacksonville perspective, you've got to hope that ultimately the confidence from th- those three games 
we know he can be a talented guy it, it, if that confidence allows him to play like that against good defences as well then watch out because it, we said earlier on in the season that if they get any level of quarterback play this team is the most dangerous team in the NFL I right now would put money on them playing the Patriots in the AFC Championship game I know we've just discussed the Steelers but I don't even think it gets to that point because I think I think this Jaguars team is very well built to beat the Steelers and and right now I would if they played tomorrow even at Heinz Field I'd back them to win and I also think that they could give the Patriots some some real hell I mean it's tough back to back to do that that would be an insane way to get to the Super Bowl but I, th- I would be more scared playing Jacksonville than I would Pittsburgh as a Patriots fan I'm not going to lie Championship Sunday if it's Jags Patriots and whatever we get out of the NFC where the top five seeds right now none of whom went to the playoffs last season I don't care who matches up from those teams those all look like great games that could be the best Championship Sunday we've had in years it's really exciting Ollie yeah uh, the Jags are playing so well, and hearing hearing uh, Tom, hearing Tony Baselli on um, Talk Sport yesterday, just he was saying that they could be Super Bowl bound, and if they're in the A- the AFC Championship game, as Matt Sherry said that they could be, or he expects that he'd put money on it, they're one game away from the Super Bowl, and this defense is outstanding so good Bortles is playing really well they've discovered some wide receivers that are shifty and can catch the ball and are quick and they did all of this without Leonard Fournette this, this is it's, a g- it's, it's it's scary I'm glad you brought up the Leonard Fournette point because he's had a lot of little niggling injuries muscle injuries you know everything that's kind of kept him in and out of games I would consider next week against the 49ers who admittedly stopped the Titans run game a decent amount at the weekend but I would consider whether or not you if you play him you keep him in quite low rotation keep him on a snap count they, they and try and keep him, him as, on a snap count until the wild card yeah round. exactly no point. fresh as possible going into that first week in the playoffs Ten, I'm talking 10 carries a game, Max. Because Chris Ivory was good at the weekend. TJ Yeldon isn't a bad change of pace back against a bad team. And then allow them to ride Leonard Fournette like they did earlier in the season when they're going against good teams. And you've got Corey Grant as well, who incredibly <laughs> looks yeah, really... Yeah, where's, where's the depth come from on this yeah. Jaguars team? Suddenly they're deep. That's not something that happens like suddenly to a team after they've been bad for years. Exactly. So they've got four running backs there who are all making plays going to the 49ers next week a game that you and I will be watching together Will Gavin oh we will on Christmas Eve going into Christmas Day as well with our Chinese devils on horseback we're going to be riding into Christmas Day on a TJ Eldon two yard run up the middle and what a day it's going to be it's going to be glorious <laughs> um, just before me and Ollie made the welcome break <laughs> uh, for your KFC Christmas dinner um the Rams-Seahawks game is one of the other ones we've got to talk about in some depth. The changing of the NFC West guard for this season, at least. Because Los Angeles, you want to talk about a statement game. To go to the clink and to put this much of a hurting on the Seahawks and do it through 
being genuine like i know the seahawks are hurting and and bobby wagner was playing at you know 20 percent barely him and earl thomas and their spat afterwards was no surprise to see at all and in fact the way that they kind of were chippy by the start of the second half really shows the mentality of the seahawks team has just completely gone this year the injuries have been too much for them and they've just kind of completely and lost it, it at this point i mean point. it threatens to go every year doesn't it it's always on a knife and this and this has been the year where finally it's teetered over to the bad side because they they are looking like a team on implosion do not be surprised to not see them playing in january at all but and when we all love that isn't there an argument as well for the seahawks that they almost could do with that this isn't a super bowl team no matter how well russell wilson plays even if he comes out and has the 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 next four games are the best four games of his career and they do get to the playoffs and and i still don't think they've got enough defensively to be able to handle playoff teams it, might it not be better to get a slightly higher pick, get yourselves in order, get that kick up the backside that missing the playoffs might do for that team? Because there are plenty of moves for them to make to in, or, uh, in order to, to get things fixed. Firing offensive coordinators to start with, dealing with the problem in the front office when it comes to trying to protect Russell Wilson. Those problems which they've kind of glossed over for the last five years. Firing the most overrated positional coach in the NFL and Tom Cable. Yeah, all of that. Literally all of that. Get it dealt with. Get it done, and and realize the threat that is in your division now, and and react to it. Because the NFC West could be brilliant for years to come. If you give the the Forty Niners a couple of years now, they've got a quarterback to kind of to stock up on talent, and and I mean even the Cardinals, if they there's enough defensive talent there that they could restock and still be a competitive team. Yeah, and especially if given that they're going to sign. Uh, Lamar Jackson um, next season as well. <laughs> so convinced. I'm, honestly, I'm so convinced. But you've got David Johnson to come back, and that defense still has the the bones of being a very good defense. I think John Schneider from the Seahawks has got a lot to answer for because seven sacks that offensive line gave up on Russell Wilson, the most elusive of the, all the running backs. We we saw that play on sun. Sorry, on, of all quarterbacks. We saw that play on Sunday where he avoided Donald and Quinn and ran round and about and then up and then down and, and oh, still... Oh, he picked up that first down. Oh, he picked up oh, that first down. Ludicrous. And that sh- should have been another sack and countless other occasions, I'm sure. When you continue, like Schneider and Carroll have done, to not protect Wilson, I think it's dereliction of duty and he sh- he has to go. Because, all right, you've got this great defense and keep adding little bits to it here and there and sign Jimmy Graham and and then not use him properly. But you've got one of the best quarterbacks to have played the game in the last five or six years and you're not protecting him. I think it's it's a disgrace. I mean, I I, I don't think anyone would pretend, though, that as much as Schneider is a very good talent evaluator in the GM, Pete Carroll makes the personnel decisions in Seattle. That's the way the model was built when they managed to persuade him to leave for USC so I think a lot of the blame lies with Carroll to be honest and and I certainly wouldn't I think Schneider in terms of just purely evaluating talent has as good a record as anybody in the NFL but it, I don't think the issue is finding talent for Seattle I think the issue is entirely just their philosophy of oh well, we've got a, a guy like Russell Wilson so mm. we don't need a good O-line but they, they don't need a good O-line but an average one every once in a while would be would be a nice change. An, an average one would be a delight. Do it uh, from the Rams' perspective. A few things to say. I mean, Aaron Donald, we've heaped praise on, and everyone has for years now. But he was unblockable, unbelievable this weekend. Um, Todd Gurley at the start of the season 
there was literally question marks over whether Todd Gurley was ever going to reach the level of the player that he was in his rookie season. Todd Gurley has been hands down the best running back in the NFL this year, and I'm not sure it's actually even that close with well, Le'Veon Bell. Not, it's not. It's not Ravoli close, is it? And and you add to that brilliant special teams play you add to that a quarterback who's getting it done an offensive line who they're the only team and this is there's an element of obviously fortune to this that they are the only team of 32 who have returned the same five starters on the offensive line with every single game but when you consider those guys include Roger Saffold and Andrew Whitworth who's you know uh, average age makes them old enough to be Ollie's dad there, there is and, and, and I mean they are <laughs> older than the head coach as well which is hilarious <laughs> Uh, yeah, there, there is. It's just all kind of come together for this Rams team in the right moment. The losses to the Vikings on the road, they, they, I think they showed some. I think McVeigh in particular showed a couple of the rookie weaknesses, but he seems to have learned from that. The Eagles game was just almost like a freak game and some terrible officiating and some weird decisions. Uh, there is a real feeling with this Rams team going into playoffs that. They've got as good a chance as any of those other teams in the NFC of going to the Super Bowl. I don't think they have a chance of getting to the Super Bowl, I must admit. And that that might sound over the top, but I, I disagree with you, what you said about the Vikings and the Eagles games and that. I, I think they're a, they're a very well-coached team, but they ran into better teams. I mean, the, the Vikings handled them completely. That was... Men against boys, and and I, I think. But I don't know. I, I don't know if it was. You had a you had a drop in the fourth quarter on the goal line. I think it was Cooper Cup, which was the difference between them going ahead in the fourth quarter and losing by two touchdowns. They don't fumble that ball, then the Rams go ahead with ten minutes left to play. That's not being right. I, I I've completely just changed the history of that game in my mind because. I forgot about that. <laughs> and you said it was like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I disagree with everything I've just said. The, the Rams, are, the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Guaranteed. But the, but the Vikings defense did handle them for huge swathes of that yeah, game. Yeah, they did. I mean, yeah. I, 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 there's just something at the back of my mind with the Rams. I think it's Goff. I'm not a huge believer yet in Goff in terms of when He's the not- money's on the line. I'm not convinced he'll he'll win you the game. I think. I think they're a great front runner. I think when they when they do what they did yesterday, they're very difficult to play against, and that's why we've seen them basically pulverise teams a couple of times this year. Because I think they're really difficult when they get up on you, and and but I think if you get up on them, they could make mistakes quickly. Right, uh, shall we uh, move on and talk about uh, the only other games I had uh, that we needed to cover in a bit more depth? Um, I think Packers Panthers. I'm afraid, Ollie, we do need to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers run out 31-24 winners over the Green Bay Packers, and that's maybe a slightly flattering scoreline for the Packers as well. Who got a late touchdown, the onside recovery uh, before uh, Geronimo, Geronimo Allison fumble on the catch. Of course, that one was a catch. Um, was uh, with the difference between these two teams in the end um, the I mean the real difference between these two teams is Aaron Rodgers clearly wasn't ready to start playing football again Ollie um, he was rusty I, th- I think you take uh, t- just take the inceptions and he obviously looks bad he underthrew another six passes on top of those three inceptions and all three inceptions were bad yeah all three interceptions were bad he was rusty he uh, made some poor decisions however he did make some good throws and he did make some good decisions and he put his body on the line and he made some good runs and I just think him being there was the reason why it was close why they, I, I they still I had something 
I thought the Packers missed a trick by not running the ball more. I think they were way too excited with the fact that Rodgers was back. I agree with you there as well. Uh, 45 times they threw the ball, 19 times they ran it. Aaron Jones. And what was the what was the average? I mean, Jones looked really good every time I, I saw him with the th- ball. He time. touched the ball three times, so uh, for forty-seven yards. So that's that's on Mike McCarthy. He he. Uh, I mean, the the whole not being in the playoffs is on Mike McCarthy, and and I mean, it's a minor miracle he had any chance to be in it. But there's big decisions to be made there, and they need to. I would be cleaning house completely. Teflon, Teflon Don's got to go. Teflon Dom's got to go. That defence can no answer for Christian McCaffrey whatsoever in the early parts. Cam Newton, uh, did you did you hear the Cam Newton um, Clay Matthews exchange? That was very funny. Um, yeah, that was great. Clay Matthews on the field. If you haven't heard this, Matt, Clay Matthews spotted uh, a um, Panthers offensive formation. Um, that he'd seen on film uh, in the red zone where they go a wheel route to, to Christian McCaffrey and they've done it a couple of times this year already and Clay Matthews went it's the wheel route it's the wheel route to his defensive players Cam shouted back at him oh you've been studying film have you he said yes and he went watch this then and they audible to a fake wheel route slant which Christian McCaffrey took him for a touchdown <laughs> Untouched. It was incredible. They've been playing it on Sky Sports News all day. Uh, just to, <laughs> just to rub so it in my face whilst I'm at work with Sky Sports News on one of the monitors above <laughs> just, me. Just going, watch this then, and then going to the, the fake wheel route into a slant. It was great. It was really I'll tell, funny. I'll tell, my big takeaway from this is that if Cam Newton plays like that, the Packers are the hardest team, uh, the Panthers are the hardest team in the NFL. To play against if he plays like he does the last two weeks and and uh, so the fact that they were he's still, playing as well now as he was two years ago they, they still had, didn't have the consistency in the what I kind of like is that their offence has become this kind of hybrid offence between what they wanted to do this year with Christian McCaffrey and what they actually did in 2015 that worked and they've managed to find a bit of balance between that which is why McCaffrey was so good early on but then they reverted to a bit more of the run a bit more relying on Newton I still think the Packers defence have got a lot to answer oh. for um, oh. across yeah, the course of the game I think that I, I, the Panthers-Vikings as a matchup, particularly if it happens in Minnesota, that's the one which, from a kind of old-school, pure football perspective, is the one that looks toughest it, and really exciting. It's so exciting. Like, it's the dream, isn't it? That I'm, it, so, I'm so pumped for the prospect of that. <laughs> what you've got is two great defences there, and the Panthers' defence is playing really, really well. But, as you said, Will, with McCaffrey being pretty spicy out of the backfield and being able to catch the ball as well as an actual slot receiver guy Cam Newton he ran 14 times more than any other player which is a lot of option a lot of designed quarterback rushes as well and then Greg Olsen okay he doesn't seem to have his his uh, old zip um, he looks a bit more like Jason Witten now than any, any other tight end but he made hay down the middle, and that's where. You and he's still a huge upgrade on Ed Dixon. Hands <laughs> of Stone Dixon, and that's where you look at Dom Capers and the Packers' defense, and the problem of big tight ends, wide receivers down the middle with lots of time and room on a soft zone, where the the, the safeties and the corners have no clue who they're picking up, what they're doing. It's like um, it's like when you go when you watch zonal marking. Uh, in in football with uh, at corners and the the team 
who have the zonal marking system have no idea what's going on, who to pick up, what to do. And that's exactly what was going on with the Packers and has been going on with the Packers for the, at least the last two and a half seasons. It's, well, I mean, it's, been, a lot, it's been a lot longer than that, Alec. Well, uh, uh, you know, short term, my short-term memory is, is, uh, is better than my long-term. Just think <laughs> back to the Kaepernick games as well. I mean, oh. those were like five, six years ago now. Yeah, don't remind me of that either. Thanks, mate. Um, There are two other storylines from this game that we need to discuss. Uh, The first is the fact that the Carolina Panthers are up for sale. Jerry Richardson is giving up day-to-day control of the team. This is obviously a direct reaction to the uh, to the accusations last week of both sexual and racial uh, uh, inappropriate comments and misconduct within the workplace. Amazing that the owner of the team is being investigated by the team's internal lawyers for these claims. So uh, at least there's a little bit of clarity there. It's something we can get more into in the off-season. It's going to be a fascinating process to see what happens there. I mean, the NFL is still planning to investigate it, even though he's put the team up for sale, which I think is hugely interesting. Massively so. Um, and have then you, the t- have you seen that Diddy wants to buy I, it? Yeah, I've seen that Diddy wants to buy it. And have Steph Colin- Curry wants to get involved, and they Kaepernick want to sign. Does. I mean, signing Colin Kaepernick as a backup to Cam Newton actually makes quite a lot of sense. <laughs> it does. So, no, no, but I think Kaepernick wants in on the ownership group, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm wondering whether he can play and own the team as well. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, yeah. It's, it's, but I'm not sure he's got the money to be in on the ownership team in anything but a very, very silent partnership. And given um, the reaction of Kaepernick uh, by our Uber driver when we were in Carolina, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, God. I'm not sure it would be the greatest. Uh, <laughs> I forgot that that was in Carolina that that happened. Wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I remembered it earlier. That today. guy, that guy would lose it. Um, but then there was the Thomas Davis hit on Devonte Adams, um, which is going to see him get us two game suspension. It was a nasty hit uh, in terms of that he led with the crown of his helmet when. Yes, when you watch the play at full speed, it's difficult to necessarily lead with your chest, your hands, when you're making that sort of block. And there's the argument that Thomas Davis isn't a man who is used to blocking. You're not doing a lot of training. Like, you compare it with the Juju Smith-Schuster block, where he led with his helmet rather than his chest and his hands. You say, well, you should be training to block. That's part of your job as a receiver. On the subject of players who should be suspended, he definitely should be for Ian acting that as a celebration. Yeah, uh, 100%. But the the... The Thomas oh, Davis. The way, the, we're talking about Thomas Davis right now. I'll go, I'll go back to the Gronk celebration later. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, there's there's an argument going on in our WhatsApp group about this versus the Gronkowski suspension. Um, Thomas Davis, as Matt Sherry pointed out, has had innumerable fines, a dozen or so fines for hits in games, and so they've gone from those those fines to a suspension situation. I, the fact is, he's going to appeal it. And when was the last time that you remembered an in-game penalty that was didn't have it reduced? That was a multiple-game penalty. Well, 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 yeah, that's it. Gronkowski's wasn't, but I think that was because they didn't want the furore of giving him two and then reducing it to one when it, the two would have meant he missed Pittsburgh you know I think they actually thought about that but yeah this will be reduced to one anyway yeah. so our argument in the group will be meaningless yeah and, and that's <laughs> always the case but it needs to stop being the case Gronkowski's I still maintain should have been a two game suspension regardless doesn't matter who's coming up on the schedule there was intent there and it doesn't matter that he's not normally a dirty player that was a bad play for Thomas Davis I completely understand why it's too because of the history of the player but you do also have to say that not only was he clearly upset and incredibly reticent on the field but to then go and tweet to Devontae Adams and apologise so openly about it as well 
like Thomas Davis doesn't strike me as a bad guy neither does Rob Gronkowski I think that was a bad play but I don't think it was there was any kind of malice or intent to it whereas you could argue what happened with Juju Smith-Schuster the emotion of the game got to him which you wouldn't say is the same for Thomas Davis yeah and when you look at Thomas Davis's instant reaction when he when uh, Devontae Adams is laid out on the ground with numerous amounts of staff around him trying to look, make sure that he's okay Davis is on the sideline ha- head in hands aghast at what he's caused and what he's done you look at, ba- look at it back to me and I'm a, a, a staunch Packers fan is that you're likely to meet and I've seen a load on Twitter who are ripping into Davis saying he's a, he's a bad guy or this and that I think it's a coming together I don't think he goes out to hurt him Devontae Adams has tweeted pretty much the opposite of that uh, saying look it's football but there's no room for like that we're supposed to look at uh, to be in this together and look out for one another and not mess with a man's livelihood look I don't think Davis meant to do it you'll never you can uh, only Thomas Davis knows for me I don't think it was a, that bad a hit and thankfully Adams hopefully will be okay for next week he, he, he went into concussion protocol as, as he should have done right should we take a quick break and then just rattle through the remaining games from this weekend that we've not covered yet yeah because we've got like yeah. five minutes beautiful <laughs> Right, there are a number of games that happened this weekend that had big playoff implications, none more so particularly after we talked about the Raiders lost than Saturday night in the AFC West as I think a game that probably is the one that a lot of us got wrong this weekend, the Chiefs and the Chargers. A lot of us were high on the Chargers going into this game, the performances of Keenan Allen, their defence, their pass rush, their corners... But for the Chiefs, after such a horrendous collapse from their 5-0 and start to the season, this was really a, a good all-round performance. It was still a tight game late on, much like that one we talked about earlier between the Rams and the Vikings, but every facet of the Chiefs worked for the first time in quite a while, Matt. This, yeah. No, Ollie, go Ollie! Sorry, but I, this, this, I watched this game in full at about half five on Sunday morning, and... <laughs> so rock and roll. I know, isn't it? With the with, on my computer with the uh, with the cricket, oh, the cricket, Matt, uh, the cricket no, on the no, TV. Yeah, no, 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 no. uh, let's not, let's not. But uh, what this game reminded me of was the Chiefs in those first four or five weeks when everything was going for them. Kareem Hunt had 201 yards on this game, uh, 155 something through uh, on the ground and 50 something through the air, and. Uh, you know, you had Kelsey making plays. You had Tyreek Hill making plays. Alex Smith looking pretty good. But it was all down, for me, on offense, to the way Matt Nagy managed to get uh, Kareem Hunt uh, in space up against uh, defenders that weren't used to being able to try and tackle someone like Kareem Hunt. I thought it was brilliantly played by the Chiefs' offensive coordinator, Matt. It was, yeah. And I mean... I think the Chiefs are making the AFC playoff race a little bit more interesting because I still remember them from the start of the season and, and they've had the horrific blip in the middle of it all where I thought they'd been found out but maybe they haven't been found out maybe they're getting it rolling again and if they do get it rolling again then they're a, they're another potential legitimate contender in the AFC the Chargers just became 
the charges again, which is sad given what had happened. There's, there's, um, there, there's an in, it's a really interesting situation, the AFC playoff picture at this moment, because the Chargers coming up have got the Jets and the Raiders, both eminently winnable games. Say they go to 9-7, and seven, they're relying on a number of teams above them to lose a game or two games. And actually, you look at those teams on 8-6, and six, the Bills have to go to New England, the Titans have to face the Rams and the Jags, the Ravens... They're the easier of the routes, Colts, Bengals, but you wouldn't be that surprised to see two or th- like two or three teams jockeying at nine and seven for the sixth seed. So the Chargers aren't out of it yet, but they, uh, yeah, they did themselves no favours on Saturday night. And I think the Chiefs. Absolutely. Are you sure, Will, that you changed your picks from the one that you tweeted out, given that you got yeah. 15 out of 15 so far on the picks challenge? I did, because when Marcus Peters was announced, and I think I tweeted about it, saying that uh, I, with Marcus Peters being back in the game, I fancy the Chiefs at home. No, I'm not. I, I'm not suggesting that you never, but what I'm saying is, like. Did I get 15? I didn't get 15 for 15. I didn't get last night right, did I? Yeah, you got you. You were on fifteen out of fifteen. <laughs> I meant to pick the Raiders. I I won fifteen and fifteen by accident. I was a hundred percent convinced three, the Raiders were going to win last night. Three people are on fifteen from fifteen. I'm on fourteen from fifteen, and this was the game that I got wrong. But uh, me and Ollie, outside of that one game, picked I think a perfect slate on well, the podcast the other day. Boys, you're doing a st- well. You're assuming that tonight the. Uh, that the Falcons are going to be the Buccaneers. Come on, the Buccaneers! Come on, the Buccaneers! Falcons win, Packers are out. Bucks uh, win. You're telling me there's a chance? Now, interesting. Sorry, I'll, I'll jump in there. Rob Demovsky has uh, has tweeted that Joe Callahan, who was waived by the Packers uh, to make room for Rogers, has since been picked up again. Meaning, I think, and uh, uh, Demovsky says this. Regard what happens with the the result between the Falcons and the Bucks, of which everyone knows what happened, that will determine whether they keep Aaron Rodgers active or not. So just to roll through the rest of those AFC teams. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Bills, Dolphins, Bills. Actually, it wasn't their best performance, but they're putting together a bit of a run, and they're looking like after a a, a, a complete falling apart after that Jets game six or seven weeks ago, they're right back in the playoff mix now. Uh, Jay Cutler doing incredibly Jay Cutler things <laughs> in that game. Um, uh, the Dolphins might as well tank the rest of the season to get the best draft pick they possibly can. Uh, the, the poor the Browns are going zero and sixteen, aren't they? Oh. I have no sympathy anymore. I must admit, <laughs> I've, che- I've checked out on Hugh Jackson as a as, an, as a human being. Well, I think the Browns. Well, he might end Bengals. up in Cincinnati, getting which will be honestly that that will be the best thing ever. I think they're going to swap. For him. So that so uh, Marv Lewis will end up being the Browns head coach. Hugh Jackson, the Bengals. He will be a huge upgrade on Hugh Jackson. <laughs> the, the Ohio Swap, as they're going to call it for years to come. Um, uh, and uh, the Ravens again. Uh, yeah, they they look like an interesting team uh, for a uh, for a playoff run, and have got the easiest slate of the three or four teams sitting around that eight and six area. So don't be counting them out yet. Titans uh, have had a horrible <laughs> time out on the West Coast. <laughs> that was very funny. The, the, the loss to the Cardinals was genuinely dreadful. This loss to the 49ers may be even worse. To, to be up that late in the game against a quarterback only making his fifth start in the NFL. <laughs> in fairness, Will, he is now 5-0. <laughs> oh. 
What a man. I'm not allowing myself to get as excited as I got on Sunday night. Ollie will tell you that I was beaming ear to ear for a period you of time. You should be beaming ear to ear, mate. You wouldn't the Super Bowl next year. It's, it's the absolute lack of talent around him that's amazing. Because, I mean, actually, I still think, I think they've really found something in Trent Taylor, the slot receiver. I think he'll be a guy that will stick around for a number of years. Um, I also quite like George Kittle, the tight end. I also quite like Marquise Goodwin. But Everyone's none of them are... hero. Everyone's hero, Marquise Goodwin. None of them Love are number guy. one guys. You need a number one receiver in there and maybe a better tight end as well. Uh, but, you, you know... a better running back. A really, yeah, you're get, a you're really good get draft. Back. He's oh, a great yeah, player. I forgot about Garcon. And a really good draft. This could be, you know, an exciting team next season to watch. I'm not saying and anything the thing, the, better than, you know, 500, but what an upgrade that'd be on the last two years. The, three the great years. thing you've got, Will, is is Kyle Shanahan allows you to spend less money on certain skill position players because there are certain players that fit his scheme that aren't necessarily heavily sought after. And we're seeing that again with Marquise Goodwin. We saw it with Taylor Gabriel. I mentioned to you Alfred Morris last night as a guy who was great for him in Washington, particularly at running back. He can find guys for less money because the, the certain guys fit his scheme that don't fit a lot of others in the NFL. Agreed. And what about Robbie Gould? What a guy. What a, what what a, a guy. guy. Six. Uh, and what I, did you watch his, uh, did you see uh, his press conference afterwards as well? No, why would I watch his press conference? He's a kicker for a team I don't support. <laughs> there was a lot. I don't was... even watch Mason Crosby's press conferences. Oh, I, I love the Kyra, only press conference. I love Kyle only... Santos. Do the bang. I don't even watch his pre- press, what, press what conferences. What I love about this is it's Ollie that told me about the press conference while we were on air on Sunday night and now he's trying to play it cool. Don't know what you're talking about. Robbie Gould saying afterwards uh, oh, yeah, I did. about how he, uh, <laughs> how he like, definitely <laughs> definitely made the right decision to go to San Francisco he knows that there's going to be a winning mentality there like he really went all in on the team in this press conference afterwards after his second five field goal game of the season what a guy what a guy um, and he looked so finished didn't he a couple of years ago oh so finished comeback player of the year question mark <laughs> get out honestly just get out it might be one of the best shouts you've ever made Matt um NFC playoff picture few massive results here the Saints uh, stripping one out against the Jets despite it having to be late on but I occasionally like a gritty win from a team that I want to do well in the playoffs because I like to see that they can win more than one way sometimes grinding one out against a tough team to beat is just as good as going and hammering uh, especially, especially as a Saints fan I mean that's exactly what they haven't been able to do for the last three years like that that is way more important than anything for the Saints is to win those kinds of games because they, they haven't done recently. And most importantly, Alvin Kamara back with the team after missing a couple of weeks with a concussion, looking really good through the air. Not so much on the ground, but oh, when you've got Mark Ingram on the ground, it doesn't really matter. So, you know, it, the Saints still with Michael Thomas uh, what, as, as their receiver, they're just having a, a lovely My, Michael Thomas. Year. Michael Thomas, the last five weeks, uh, has it's been a little under the radar because of how good Keenan Allen and Antonio Brown have been. Michael Thomas has played like a top five receiver the last five weeks. He has been superb in that offense. It fits him so well. He's been brilliant in possession. He's racked up the yard. Uh, I mean, he could have had three touchdowns if it wasn't for uh, a, a kind of slight problem with footing, but. He had a touchdown on the day, plenty of yards as well. He was really impressive. Uh, the Vikings cruised past the Bengals. You know, the Bengals are one of the worst teams in football right now, but important to bounce back after Case Keenum had a, a tough week last week, I think. Uh, weird game for the Eagles with the Giants. 34-29, they finish up winners. And they were... Nick Foles, four touchdowns, no turnovers. 
the run game wasn't massively there, but I think that had a lot to do with game flow rather than the ability of the run game. Special teams I was think brilliant. It has a lot to do with the ability of the run game. Well, I think special and teams was brilliant. I think the, the problem here was the defense laying up twenty nine points, and it would have been more if not for a block field goal and a block's extra point. This had been a one point game on that basis alone. Yeah, I mean, it's a, and and to me, this is another win for the Eagles that if I was an Eagles fan, would feel like a defeat because once it gets in the playoffs, they need this defense to play like it did earlier in the season. And that's two weeks in a row now where teams have put up 30, I think, on them. And Nick Foles is not throwing four touchdown passes in a playoff game against a good defence. Also, if you look at the the, the numbers on, on those uh, passes, the longest, other than a, a catch and run from Ajayi of 32, is 19 yards. So that's they've brought the playbook in about 10 yards from where Carson Wentz was start, starting to throw passes and long balls and uh, deep balls out to Aguilar et al. So uh, I don't know whether that's because that's his first game as the number one starter or that's how they're going to play with Nick Foles and not launch the ball. I, I seem to remember when Nick Foles was almost a viable starter <laughs> that he was a guy that could launch the ball and throw the ball fast. So I'd like to think if I were an Eagles fan that they will expand that playbook out and get him to throw some be- bigger and better passes maybe it had something to do with the game flow and the fact that the 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 defence was allowing the Giants to come back in so there were a myriad I of things the, the, but the thing is that is that is the Andy Reid style offence is, is short passes and I mean they, they expanded it a little bit for Carson Wentz because they've got such an obscene talent on their hands there but ultimately that is the offence and that's why the offence gets into such problems that's why they were in third and sixth more than any other team in the league this season and, and that was a point I made earlier in the week to, to you guys like it's a problem that is a problem with the scheme of the offence I don't think that'll change yeah. this insanely long podcast needs to come to an end at some point but I just want to just mention the Detroit Lions 20-10 to 10 win over the Bears on Saturday night not the most impressive of performances I don't think they've put in a massively impressive performance over the last four or five weeks but they've moved themselves up to eight and six. The Falcons have to play the Panthers and the Saints, which obviously means that the Panthers and the Saints have to also play the Falcons. Well done, the mate. Lions. Thanks, mate. <laughs> thanks, mate. That was that the, was great, Columbo. The, 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 <laughs> just one final thing. Well, just uh, one final thing. It's great to be on the Orient Express for four months. You cannot believe uh, they play each other. Uh, so <laughs> the Bengals, but. The Lions. Sorry, who are the, the Lions, Lions playing again? The Lions have the Bengals <laughs> and the and likely a Brett Hundley led Packers. The Lions could easily go ten and six and make it into the wild card. Jim Caldwell could take this Lions team to the playoffs yet again and and give them three winning seasons from the four he's been there, despite the fact that we've all been convinced that he's not a very good head coach for the entire time. Just just say it. I'll tell, I'll tell you what, as a subplot to that, uh, remember the remember the Detroit Atlanta game earlier in the year that it's probably going to cost them a super, uh, playoff place. The uh, Greg Rosenthal tweeted: Lions pre Caldwell, twelve losing seasons out of thirteen. Lions under Caldwell, one losing season out of four. It's not what bad. A, what a coach! Not bad. Uh, and there's a th- what's amazing about this weekend in week fifteen. There really should be a lot of games which don't mean anything. There's only really one game which didn't mean anything. Does anyone want to talk about Washington, Arizona? No. Great stuff, guys. Okay. uh, (laughs) Did they play? (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Washington won, I remember, because I picked it. Um, 20 to 15? Was it? 
Just I couldn't care less. Genuinely plucking that out of the air. I think it was 20 to 15. We're going to get in some stick from some Washington fans, but I actually... It was 20 to 15. Yeah, go on, Willie. Um, Whoa, Drew Stanton's going to start next week. <laughs> so there is a storyline oh, to talk geez. about. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> um, Bruce Arians has been <laughs> gabbited way too much. <laughs> uh, we'll be back later in the week uh, to look back on Thursday Night Football. Right, I'm, well, do you well, know well, what? What about here's, Monday Night Football? Here's what's going to happen There isn't here. a Thursday Night Football this week. There no. isn't. Here's what's going to happen here. Are we recording? What are we doing on the Will now? Gavin show this week? Yeah, here's here's, here's, what, here's what's going to happen here. Come on, Colombo. If the Falcons beat the Buccaneers, we're not. We're just going to end the podcast right here. If the Buccaneers beat the Falcons, I'll do a quick thirty seconds on the end of the podcast about how the Lions are definitely going to the playoffs. Okay. What about the Go. What about the Packers? They can make it to the playoffs. Uh, the Lions are definitely going to the playoffs. Like I said, uh, <laughs> uh, Ollie, any final thoughts? Uh, I loved Gronk's celebration for his Which touchdown. One? Um, can I just say his best moment of the night was when he was laid on his back and he did the first down point while on his back <laughs> have you seen it no I haven't seen that that's great um, what was the who was it against it, it was against a defender who he just kind of shrugged off who oh, fell to the Davis, floor wasn't it? and then he so just we, laughed we, at him oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about that Davis launched himself at him <laughs> bounced off Gronk and Gronk turned around and just laughed at him the celebration was ha <laughs> <laughs> you just fell off I can't believe it I don't know why he turned into a German but it made sense I, uh, I'll just say no matter how much you hate the Patriots watching him and Brady on that drive was just yeah, NFL oh, porn. Yeah, a hundred percent. I just wish that it was a team I liked. Uh, <laughs> I love you, buddy. Uh, Matt, any final thoughts? Can't wait for the next weekend. Although uh, we've wished the season away now, haven't we? It's heartbreaking. There's only two weeks left. Nah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Christmas next weekend. Um, I think Ollie, what we should be doing, and this is kind of the plan, Matt Sherry. If you want to join us, I mean, maybe you'll have to be up early to drive to the to the service station anyway. <laughs> on 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 Christmas Eve, we're doing the Jags Forty uh, ers game on Tuck Sports. Yeah, you're then working the overnight show with me, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Shall we just do from three till four a.m. the Gridiron Show on Talk Sport and then release it as a podcast? hundred percent, we should. Brilliant. We'll get Greg Rosenthal on because he comes on on a Tuesday morning quite often anyway. So we'll just do him like as a Sunday night, Monday morning yeah, thing. Yeah. Do a chat with him. Uh, maybe see if we can get a Jags player on as well after they've won. Well, Baselli might come on. Baselli might come on. So we'll try and get a couple of guests yeah. on, and then that we can then just release that Christmas morning as a little review of Week 16 so far podcast, and then do a bit more of an in-depth one with the guys on like. Boxing Day or something yeah I like that I think that's Love a great it. idea I don't know why we haven't done that before and if you want to come on air at like 3am Matt Sherry uh, if maybe little, Unlikely, little Brady's we'll, awake we'll, we'll, and, and kicking and screaming then uh, pop your headset on and we'll chat yeah well, if that happens I'll do it Matt does he have a temper little Brady oh outrageous <laughs> much like temper. much like his dad Red Sherry is who, it when he yeah. don't get what he wants I'd only, ex- like, like I'd only experienced Red Sherry <laughs> in a couple of occasions at the Super Bowl when he's really not been in a good mood but we've all been like that it's a very long time to spend in very close quarters with each other <laughs> when have I lost me to but now but now Matt Sherry that I've seen you when you're betting on games and they're not <laughs> going your <laughs> way <laughs> the, the wrath of Matt Sherry against players and teams particularly play callers is amazing I, uh, there's nothing I hate the NFL more than bad coaching I think that's what 
that's what really irritates me the most. Right. Uh, uh, unless we've got a little Falcons Bucks thing on the end here. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. We'll catch you later in the week. This has been the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Yes, you.